We thank Mark Grody from 670 The Ticket in Chicago for an excellent preview from the Bears, some good insight and analysis. Give him a follow at Mark Grody Sports. We now pivot to the Patriots, and when we pivot Patriots, you can't get more Pats-tastic than Paul Perillo. Was that alliterative enough for you, Paul? That was excellent. Thank you very much. From Patriots Unfiltered, Patriots.com. You know, I like to think of if Andy Hart is the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi of contrarianism and, uh, you know, he'll he'll say realism. I say sometimes negativity. Obviously, he's the, he's the apprentice. He has to have a Jedi master. And the Qui-Gon Jinn to him, of course, would be you, Paul Perillo. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, I, I don't like being uh, his apprentice on anything, A. <laughs> <laughs> and B, I also don't think I'm a contrarian. No, you're objective, just like me. Objective. We're both okay. very, very objective. Yes. Okay. See, I, I, you said you're not a contrarian, and then you disagreed with me. So that was actually on <laughs> brand and absolutely perfect, Paul. I know, I know how you guys work. I we know. appreciate you coming in, Paul, to uh, help us preview Bears and Patriots as well as give us a little perspective uh, and help us just like sift through the nonsense of Zappy Hour versus Mac Attack. Um, here we sit on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, there was the Jeff Howe report just a couple hours ago saying that, you know, seemingly barring any setbacks, it looks like Mac is ready to start and should get the nod. You on board with this? Do you think that's the right call? Uh, everything's trending Mac for Monday night? Yeah. Well, I think Mac is the quarterback when healthy. Um, you know, if he's healthy enough, I know Mike Reese had a a report that he expects to be, you know, cleared to play Monday night. So, yeah, I would think that all signs point to him being back at the helm on Monday night. So I have this little theory, Paul, and this zappy fever that has taken over Patriot Nation, which I think we can all agree is legit. I can't tell you how many old people um, sort of peripheral fans, not like the passionate ones are like, oh, I like this number four. This zappy kid is fun. This zappy kid can throw. He has taken over. I don't actually believe it's as much about Bailey Zappi as it is a wavering uh, confidence in Mac Jones that was created from the first three weeks of the season and uncertainty that the belief that he's the franchise quarterback may have been uh, a little bit premature. Do you agree with that? Is this a Zappi thing or is this a Mac thing? Yeah, I, I think you I do agree with you. I think it has a little bit to do with both. I think Zappi's played well. Um, and and I made the the sort of snarky joke like i think if it was no. if it was bailey jones I, I i don't think it would have gotten as much attention i think oh no the, the fact that his name is zappy i think has has added to it i think people are having fun with it i think they're excited about it but the bottom line here i think andy touches on something if everybody was as completely convinced about mac jones as they claimed to be last year i do not think you'd get as many people clamoring for bailey zappy to play uh, not huge numbers. We just, you know, we have three shows, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Patriots Unfiltered. And people call in and write in all the time. Andy knows the drill. Didn't ask anybody to call in and tell us who you want to pick. But everybody that called in and wrote in, I asked who they wanted. It came out 34 to 19 in favor of Mac. Okay, so. Wow. I, I, I would say that in, in, in general terms, emailers, pro-Mac. Callers, they're on Zappy's side. And I interpret that, as you know, Andy, cerebrally. The writers, they think about it. If you're going to take the time to think, then you're probably a little bit uh, on a higher level with your, your thought process. You're probably a little bit more of a 
passionate fan of the Patriots. You're watching your and you're understanding a little bit as as opposed to I think a guy picks up the phone. Well, I, I want Mac. It's more reactionary. So I think when you're listening to the talk shows on on EEI and and, and Sports Hub, I I think you're hearing a lot of Bailey Zappi talk. I think when you get someone writes in, I think it's more or less Mac Jones all the way. Interesting. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, Andy, that people may not have completely lost faith or confidence, like it's a no-confidence vote in Mac, but obviously from the end of last season through when he got hurt, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns over the last nine games until his ankle got rolled up on. There are lingering images of blown games at the end of the season getting throttled by Buffalo as well. And everything that's come up with Zappy has been absolutely roses. I mean, the kid's got a spark. There's no denying that maybe he's a bit of an outlier in that, like the team, like the offensive line started playing better. The defense started playing better. And also it seems like the play callers, whoever they may be in that triumvirate cadre of play callers, Belichick, Judge, and Patricia, they've dialed things back a little bit. And I'm curious, Paul, if you think that the offense will look more like what they've done with Bailey Zappi over the last three games, more play action, more power running, something that kind of resembled last year when Mac was successful prior to the wheels falling off in December, then 50-50 balls in the downfield express from the first three games. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I, I think that the play action needs to be part of what they do no matter what. I think they ran the ball plenty when Mac Jones played the first three games. I think they ran it effectively. Um, I think uh, the Buff- the Baltimore game in particular, I thought they had good success running against the Ravens and set up some opportunities. Um, I thought that one of the biggest plays in the game on, on Sunday that Bailey Zappi made was a 50-50 ball down the sideline to Devontae Parker that set up their first scoring drive. Um, I think people are completely overlooking 50-50 balls when Z- when Zappi throws them. Um, and, you know, a couple of the big plays in the Detroit game were pass interference calls, uh, just throwing it up down the field on one-on-one, Devontae Parker against Jeff Okuda, and you get a flag a couple of times to pick up 30-yard chunk plays. Um, I don't have any problem with that line of thinking, trying to get the ball downfield a little bit more. When Mac comes back, I think Mac is more suited to that. Obviously, I think they protected Zappi and had more underneath stuff. But I think that offense can only take you so far. I think that offense will be successful against the Detroits and the Clevelands. I don't know if that offense is going to be successful against the Kansas Cities and the Buffaloes. And I think that's what Bill Belichick and, and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are thinking. And how do we get more explosive? How do we get to the point where we can possibly compete in a you know 34 to 31 kind of a game? Because right now... Handing the ball off, you know, two out of every three plays and and throwing underneath is not going to be able to allow you to do that. So I understand what you're saying. You want Mac Jones to protect the ball a little bit more and be, be given more opportunities. But at the same time, I know exactly what the mindset was all about with trying to get the ball downfield more. And I think Mac Jones gives you more of an opportunity to do that. So, Paul, I know you don't sell season tickets, but those walls we see behind you are indeed inside of Gillette Stadium. So I'm just wondering, what's your perspective on uh, Mac Jones's um, attitude and relationship with the team? And obviously, I'm joking a little bit about Ben Volan, but he's not the only one that's had discussions about, right. you know, Burt Breer, I think, said something, uh, the, the relationship went sideways at points this offseason. And, you know, Mike Florio says, oh, there's smoke there. I'm just telling you, there's smoke there. Um, do you believe there is anything to this 
uh, potential rift or situation with Mac Jones and maybe the Patriots, the coaching staff, whatever it may be? I, you know, I, I don't know specifically if there's anything to it, but I, I did hear the stuff that Bert Breer said. And, and, and I think, you know, from afar, listening to him explain it the way he explained it, I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I can see that. And, and I saw that at certain times during training camp when he spoke to us. Yep. I thought he was kind of cranky at times yep. uh, when, when he spoke. Now, I thought he got better in that regard as training camp progressed. But the first couple of times, and I know they weren't playing very well offensively during the summer. So I know there was some frustration there to his words, but I did wonder how on board he was with defensive and special teams coaches now running the offense in his second year. And I I think he maybe questioned that a little bit. I I, I'm not telling you that anybody's told me that it's just a, a feeling that I had from watching him sort of interact with us. So I don't think it's a rift. I think that's probably too strong of a word. I know Ben got himself in trouble by, you know, taking it, you know, taking maybe bits and pieces of, of fact and extrapolating him to something that didn't exist. Right. But I go back to the Burt Breer stuff and, you know, to a lesser extent, the Florio stuff. And I say, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from with that. And you're right. He sprinkled in during the summer. Every press conference, he would sprinkle in just a little bit. He'd, he'd toe the company line. He'd see, you know, love the open conversation. And then he'd say something like, and I know good football and good plays and we need more good plays and like just little things that you're like, huh, what exactly does he mean by that? And I think that continued into the season with the uh, different philosophy on the 50, 50 balls. Yeah. I'm throwing interceptions, but don't just blame me. I know I actually throw the ball, but remember somebody's telling me how we're going to handle offense. I thought there were little, just seedlings of him letting you know how he feels without coming out and out and being sort of disrespectful to the situation. Yeah. And Fitzy, you could see some of the things they were doing offensively in the summer. You were with us every day too. So right. you know, they were, they were driving the ball down the field a little bit and they were trying it, like, it was clearly a concerted effort to do so. You know, the first game they take a shot down the field to Devonte Parker, it gets tipped and picked off the second game. They take a shot down the field on a 50, 50 ball and Nelson Aguilar makes a great catch. Yep. Your touchdown mm-hmm. against Pittsburgh. So I think, that's some of the things that the, the coaches were trying to figure out, you know, how well can we execute some of these things? What kind of personnel do we have that might allow us to pick up some chunk plays? Because for as, even as good as some of the things have looked recently offensively, they still struggle a little bit in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and you, oh, yeah. you're not, you're not going to kick field goals and beat the high scoring team. So what's a good way to avoid red zone trouble? Well, skip it. Yeah. Score from the 31. Which is exactly what I thought was so impressive last week, Paul. I thought, I thought there were a couple of play calls from Patricia Belichick judge, the, the Hydra of offensive play calling that were when Andy and I were watching the game, I said to him, like, they're actually like play calling with some stones this week because I love the third and one. Yeah. That, that, that play call had balls just like the, uh, the draw play to Ramondre on third and 10, because I hated that one. Oh, I see. I love. I see. I love that one because all game long they ran under center and they threw from shotgun. So they caught Cleveland off guard, expecting yeah. a pass, and then Mondre hit a seam on the outside and yeah. took it, it to the it, house. If he picks up seven yards and they kick a field goal. You're you're <laughs> ranting and raving, and there's no difference in the play call. Whoops. They, well, they me, didn't. So the, the third, the third. Well, the guy missed the tackle. What are you going to do? The the, the, mm-hmm. the third and inches to me that's is a, that, that's a mindset. Oh, the third also, it is. Time, we like this guy a little bit more. We're a little bit more comfortable than we were last week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and certainly the, the week before when they were in a similar situation in Green Bay, 
That's the call that everybody was clamoring for in overtime against Green Bay, right? right. Let's right. line up with a couple of guys in the backfield or maybe a couple of tight ends, under center, bunch formation, hard play action, and we're going to we're gonna get someone sleeping. I yeah. loved that call. I thought that call made a lot of sense before the play happened. It's third down, so if you don't get it, you throw it away and you go for it on fourth down. I mm-hmm. love that. Third and ten, listen, the play – work to perfection you know beautiful and when they work like that we all look like geniuses i didn't love the call i thought it was settling for a field goal kind of call uh as far as that third and one though uh safety grant delpit was supposed to be covering hunter henry he falls i'm not sure if he just fell or if he got shook and baked or whatever you want to say by hunter henry he still would have he still would have had room to hit him in stride right for the first down and also for what it's worth to Big difference with Bailey Zappi. Again, this could just be outlier coincidence, et cetera. I don't think Bailey Zappi is like the tight end whisperer, but Hunter Henry now getting better from the shoulder surgery. He's had two good games in a row. His good four receptions, 60 yards, a touchdown every other week. Great. I'll take it. And getting John U. Smith involved, that damn near makes Bailey Zappi look like a miracle worker at this point. Andy, how excited were you when he broke the tackles, John U. Smith? Uh, no, I, I'm glad he picked up my mental telepathy and I said, hold on to the effing ball because I know your career. This ends in a fumble. Don't Nelson Aguilar this. Yeah, and I, it's uh, like immediately he hugged it with both hands and made sure that that was a good play. We but were both yelling, going, don't fumble. Don't, don't fumble. He's going, I told you. I told yep. you. That's what he's going to do. Now, if I can get about 58 more of those, I'll be right. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, let's spin this forward because I think – um, as much as this has all been fun, I think we're now, now, okay, hopefully it's Mac on Monday night. Cause I think most, as you said, that like the, the knowledgeable person says Mac's better. Mac had a good rookie year. Let's see where the offense can go with Mac. Right. What if it doesn't, what if it, what if he goes three and out? What if he goes, you know, two, three and outs? What if he turns it over? Are we going to hear boo birds at Gillette stadium? Are we going to hear calls yeah. for zappy? This is a great, uh, Great dovetail into what we were just talking about. Like everybody's like, well, Chicago, it's a great landing spot. You know, it's a game you're going to win. And I totally agree. This is a game the Patriots are going to blow doors off. Um, Hey, we didn't ask for your preview yet. Don't you know how these work? You wait till the end. Stick around for the rest. Yeah, I think people, most people have seen the end of this one because they're playing a terrible team and they know how these end. But what, what, what I was thinking is, I yes, I get that the opponent isn't very good. But if I had my choice, if I was like, you know, Mac Jones's dad, and I had my choice to the best spot for my son to be, I would say put him in a road game. That way, right. you know, of that Take early three and out, you will hear Zappy calls if they yep. don't have a touchdown in the first drive. It's or, a great call, you know, Paul. Or if they look great. Now, I think they're going to win the game, you know, regardless. But, for, you know, everybody's like, well, you don't want him to play against the Jets on the road the first game back. He's probably going to be rusty. He hasn't done anything in a month. Right. So, like, if he doesn't come out and light it up right away, that's completely understandable. And I think he will hear some stuff if it's not, you know, as long as the game is okay, I think he'll be fine. But to your point, Andy, what if he throws like a deflected pick on the first drive of the game and Chicago takes the lead? Oof. Don't open Twitter. Don't Zappy. open Twitter. Zappy. 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 Like, and that's not, that's not a, a great environment for him to have to endure. See, I see the, Obviously, the Patriots now know they've got a more than capable backup in case Matt gets hurt again, craps the bed, or any combination they're in, which is great. I'm not even looking at who's the asset, who could be dealt away. You need two quarterbacks in the NFL. Almost half the team so far have had to play two quarterbacks. And the ones that have started, quarterback play has you know, been far from spectacular so far 
in this wonky, sometimes kind of cruddy season as well. So uh, I would have started him. I would have started Bailey one more time, given him the final go round and then started Mac Jones on the road as well, because I want that ankle at a hundred percent. I saw the footage. He's bouncing around. I get it. Uh, no one's ever a hundred percent at this point in the season, but um, Andy, do you feel the same way? I think that's interesting. Fitzy. Do you feel the same way, Andy? Would you rather see Zappy go one more week? Um, Sort of. And I hadn't really thought of the road home thing. You're a hundred percent right. He'd be better off call. on the road. I also think he'd be better off if Zappy was a little crappy. If Zappy had an, a rookie, I, I do like, like Cooper Rush. Yeah. Like fade Cooper a Rush played well. great. Cooper Rush played far better than Bailey Zappy, but the and, last game he played wasn't great. And, and some people think he came off in the first half. Yeah, some right. people think that he was told to throw it, <laughs> that he was told to, to look a little crappy so that they could bring Dak back. But I actually, <laughs> I, 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 Hi, Cooper. Hi, Cooper. Jerry here. You put uh, that past Jerry Jones? <laughs> Jerry, don't F with me, Jones. <laughs> you put that past him? No, um, no, no. Yes, I do. That he, that he threw a game? Yes, I would put that past him. Hey, if Bill Belichick can throw a tell Matt Castle to put one into the stand. Oh, that's a little and, different. Yeah, um, I'm just saying it's been done before. But, yes, I I think there should be legitimate concern. You put it great. If I'm, if I'm Mac Jones's dad – I don't think this is the softest landing spot for him this week. Monday yeah. night football, a lubed up crowd at Gillette Stadium who's got zappy fever, and it's not great. It's not perfect. And, and I'll even go one more step further, okay? I understand it's Detroit, it's Cleveland, it's Chicago. On the surface, you know, crappy, 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 okay? But not all crappy is built the same. Correct. Chicago's pass defense is not crappy. Correct. At least on no. paper. Correct. I haven't exactly. seen a lot of the Bears – but their numbers in past defense are, are, good. Are, are very solid. And Robert Quinn has been quiet, but if you don't want Robert Quinn to be, uh, you know, awoken because he's lined up across from freaking Isaiah Win, because quinning oh. will be better than winning. Oh, oh. oh. oh it hurts so bad. I, if everyone listening needs to just press pause, maybe just stretch out, get a glass of water or bourbon, and then come back. I bourbon. Understand. bourbon. Speaking oh, of Jerry I... Jones. Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, actually, we had on Mark Grody from Chicago Radio 670, the ticket, and the score, excuse me, and he was saying that their rush defense is terrible. That's four weeks in a row now the Patriots are yes. facing a team with a bottom 10 rush defense. Remind but the Browns me. did a good job last week, actually, of preventing the Patriots from did. running wild on them, and then they're... Uh, they shut them down. Basically. I mean, Ramondre ended up with 19 for 76, but 31 came on that touchdown scamper. Otherwise, that's 18 for... 45. Like, That's even, not that impressive. Even with the two long runs, they had the Thornton touchdown run and the Stevenson yep. touchdown run. Mm -hmm. They still only had 98 yards rushing. Right. Now, it came at a, at a price right. because they clearly did everything to stack the box and stop the run, and there were wide receivers uh, just wide open everywhere. Do you also right. agree with me that I thought um, – and I guess we don't need a long answer here, but I thought Ramondre looked gassed last week. I agree. Um, and Tired I, by I, the end of the third, right, Andy? I think it went like 19 – then 25 carries. Now he's got no Harris. He's got to be out there. Right. It's not every other series. I really thought he looked fatigued. And this, that's not a shot. Like, I think he, A, he may not have to be in that role for long, but he he hasn't done that for years. Been like the every down, like lead dog. And I, I thought it showed. I, I totally agree. I think it's a good observation because I didn't think he was quite as elusive and explosive in the hole. Nope. He made some jump cuts against Detroit, like in tight quarters. He's yep. making guys miss in a phone booth in that game. And you didn't see that kind of explosiveness. And my guess is he was feeling the effects of the 25 carries from the week before.
Yeah, hopefully Damian Harris is good enough to go for a couple of carries on Monday night as well, because I think I think they work best in complement. So when you yeah. have Damian Harris, who's a one-cut hammer, and then Ramondre can do his little Le'Veon Bell impersonation, that's when the rushing attack is at its best. But uh, let's say, you know, let's say they stuff some runs, they're able to get a few off, then you got to put it in Max hands. Um, you introduce Tyquan Thornton, who's had a good first couple of games, two touchdowns in the second game. Who the hell wouldn't sign up for that? Um, I told Andy uh, one of the things I was most impressed by at the end of the game was the fact that all 10 rookies played. It's crazy that the Patriots kept 10 rookies, but all 10 played with several making meaningful contributions in the win against Cleveland. So, Paul, which rookie or has been most impressive to you? And what do you think of this draft class overall now, a third of the way through the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the draft class. The one I like the most, it wouldn't be the answer to this question. The one I like the most is Marcus Jones. But I would say Jack Jones has probably been the most impressive on a consistent week-to-week basis. I still worry about him a little bit. I still think, and I, I see some videos of people, um, you know, that do a lot of the All-22 stuff showing plays that, uh, where he wasn't, he didn't get targeted, but he got beat. And I worry about uh, some of those things. You know, now that you got six games on tape and it's teams start to watch this, they figure out, hey, this this 13 guy, he's jumping everything. We can we can take advantage of him. We can set him up for a big play. Marcus Jones, I think his role is getting bigger and bigger every week. You know, with Jonathan Jones out of the lineup last week, you saw more defensive snaps. I just love his athleticism. I think he might be the best athlete in that class. And that's saying something because there's some really good athletes in the class. So, yeah, I mean, it looks to me like you have a, a number of young guys that should be part of the, the future going forward. Uh, I know this is uh, something I'm sure you've talked about on PU, the idea that, well, this season really is kind of panning out like last year where you bad start, soft schedule, take advantage of the opposition. Maybe they're even missing some guys. You build some some confidence, build some wins. But is it false hope? But I want to ask you if if there's any reason to believe that it won't be that that it'll be more fruitful and maybe it'll maybe you're going to be a little bit better than most of us that picked nine and eight or whatever as a record because I saw Vegas actually it went from eight and a half down to seven and a half it's now back up to eight and a half with these two wins for the the season total but do you have any reasons where you've said huh if that keeps in that direction maybe they are a little like whether they're players like for for example. You know, one of mine um, that I've talked about a little bit is our guys like Dietrich Wise or Kyle Duggar that look like they may be taking their game a little bit to the next level, either individuals or areas of the team that maybe you feel. And I know this isn't usually the way you this is more Fitzy side of the street. You're going to play here. But the optimistic Paul Perillo, what would you point? No, I I have something for on this topic that I'll I'll say. But to answer you, I like your two picks. Um, I would I would say a guy like Judon. Yep. I, I like the way they're sort of resting him, and I think they have an eye toward what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And it, I think he's been their best player consistently every game. And if he can do it for 17 weeks instead of, you know, eight or nine like he did last week, uh, last year, I, I think that might be something that you could say this could be different. Um, I think you're right to look on the defensive side of the ball. I would say the secondary in general. I think their coverage has been pretty solid for the most part. And I, I think if you can continue that, when you start seeing some of the better teams, maybe that's a, a, a reason. But the, the number one thing for me, I kind of think the season will unfold the way you said, Andy. I, I think when they start seeing some of the better teams, they'll probably find their level eight, right. eight, eight, nine, nine and eight. Maybe they win 10 again, you know, similar kind of season as last year. 
But if that happens, I will feel a thousand times better about it than I did last year. And it's because of what Fitzy talked about with, with all those draft picks. Mm -hmm. Finally, Bill said, I don't need 30-something-year-old linebackers playing every down with Van Noy and Hightower and Collins. I'm going to get some different guys out there. Some of them aren't going to work. We haven't really seen much from Josh Uche or Anthony Jennings, but they're out there playing. You know, Raekwon McMillan, some weeks he looks like he can play, other weeks he can't. They've changed things up a little bit. They're giving roles to guys like Tyquan Thornton. You know, when Nikhil Harry was on IR that year and he came back, and I understand it was eight weeks as opposed to four, and that's a big difference. But did anybody right. think Nikhil Harry was coming off IR to make a major contribution that year? And it had nothing to do with Nikhil Harry because we really didn't know what he was then. Tyquan Thornton comes off IR. He's immediately activated and he's immediately involved in the offense. Like, this is a departure from the way Belichick's normally done things. And that has me excited about the future. So even if they only win nine or 10 games again, I'll feel a lot better about it with all these young guys contributing. And Paul, like, you and I have yes, uh, yes. often said that uh, year six jump. Oh yeah. Year six jump. He's going to make Dietrich wise might be putting I that away to you every week. The, the yeah. year six jump. I, 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 Andy, we are not making enough. I'm looking forward to if they win Monday, when they win Monday, Next week, I'm looking forward to hopefully a Dietrich Wise appreciation post or column from you because I don't think anybody thought this guy would make the leap. He's been in the he's been disruptive. Um, he looks bigger, stronger, somehow faster. Year six, like I think he a lot of us thought he was going to be like, well, somebody has to be on the bookend for Judon. Not hey, wow, Jude, he finally figured it out. Like he's and he's, he's playing every down too. See, that's yeah. but my concern is it's not sustainable. Like right. we talked about Stevenson getting worn down in that role. He's mm -hmm. playing like 80 plus percent of the snaps here, Dietrich Wise. I you know I've always thought he was a marionette with an arm ready to fall off or a leg ready to fall off. He just right. looks like a weird build. And I hope I love him. He has oh, quickly become one of my favorite players. He's one of the greatest guys in the locker room. So, I'll cross oh, he's my the best. He's such a good guy. And you yeah, know he's a zappy crazy. guy, right, Paul? He does like zappy hours, zappy endings, zappy. He likes to make zappy puns, like I do. What he does that on Twitter? Uh, no, he did it in the locker room, and then I kind of got him to yeah. do it at the podium one day. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Paul. I got one last one I for don't you. Miss that, <laughs> <laughs> now, now I get it all. Thanks a lot, Perillo. Um, so I got one last one for you, and then uh, we'll whip around with our predictions and wrap it up. Um, so with Thornton emerging and obviously like Aguilar, like, oh, my hamstring hurts after he drops an easy one. And then, you know, long on, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 Paul, I predicted it in the post game show after the yep. fumble. I said Aguilar will be inactive with a hamstring injury next week. And it's a hamstring injury just so us idiots can't blog Aguilar healthy scratch at $10 million. Right. Exactly. You know, because he John who smits a ball into their arms, given Zappy an interception he doesn't deserve. Then, of course, there's the Bourne drama, which none of us could figure out for love or money. So do you think one of those two guys gets dealt? All right. So that's that's a good way. I saw the Jeremy Fowler piece uh, earlier in the week, you know, and he talked about Bourne. I think Bourne would have some some value. I'm not sure what, what pocket is Jeremy has. Fowler, Paul. Huh? What pocket yeah. is Jeremy Fowler? Because uh, he has become whatever they tell him. He I'll says talk, it. I'll, yeah, I'll talk about that off air. Oh, um, <laughs> Every once in a while, even I don't want to rip the media. I'll get to that. <laughs> um, I don't know Jeremy Fowler, and that's why I don't want to. Like, oh, I don't know him either. I've never, I've never even met him, so I don't think it's fair for me to say that. Seems like a bit of a mouthpiece for the organization of late. Okay, you say it. I, I, I don't. Necessarily I thought that was Field Yates' job. 
Well, they, they need a lot of mouthpieces. They got a lot of messages they need to get. What about Diana, what about Diana Rossini? I, I thought I'm still in love with Jared Stidham. Well, D- Diana Rossini, I believe, is away on maternity, right? She just had a baby. Uh, so oh, Fowler picked right. up where she left off. Good call, Paul. I think you're online there, Fitzy, with what you're talking about. Again, I'll talk about this off there. I like um, it better on air. But do, does one of them potentially get dealt? Oh, the trade. All right, can we just see? <laughs> everything's I, think going I think Kendrick Bourne would have some. I think yeah. he could get you maybe a mid-round draft pick. I think he'd have some some value. I want to throw this at you. I, I threw this out on PU today. Uh, looks like Odell Beckham's getting closer to being ready to sign with the team. Would you make a deal for Bourne? You know, maybe grab a draft pick and, and sign sign Beckham. Um, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. Well, so why would Beckham do that, though? I don't know. Oh. Maybe they, maybe he doesn't have a ton of – I know that it looks like Kansas City is interested in him. And certainly, if I had a choice between Kansas City and New England, I'd take the Chiefs. Well, but, Buffalo was a rumor, too, because he and Von Miller are supposedly like tight boys uh, or whatever. What yeah, about I would, I, I would, I would take Buffalo, too. Uh, Dallas, obviously, they've got one and a half wide receivers. Uh, yeah. Your old, your uh, Andy's favorite player, Tom Brady, could probably use an extra receiver in Tampa. They have, they've had some receiver issues. Okay, so you give me a lot of options that are probably more attractive than New England. However, if you had a choice, if you could do it, would you be interested in bringing them in? Uh, I would, I would if I were the Patriots, because I don't know what's going on with them. I personally would not, because I don't think it's a long-term thing. I think Bourne, you should be trying to rehab that relationship. We need to get back to where we were at the end of last year where we said, ooh, this guy needs more touches. He's their closest thing to a playmaker. He seems to be, you know, fit well with Mac. They get blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know where we went off the tracks between last January and then the summer. And mm-hmm. I, I would try to rehab the relationship, but if it's not rehabable, which I'm not sure that's a word, but uh, I, I then I would move on. We'll allow and, it. And okay. Uh, all right, so uh, here we go. It's time now Paul's for the old blowout. He already old, told us that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just give him a chance to extrapolate and uh, further his prediction. So let's go. Let's whip it around the room. We'll begin with you, Andy Hart, as we wrap up this edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. How do you see it playing out Monday night, Hot? Yeah, I um, I, I think Mac Jones is going to play, and I don't think he's going to be rusty. I actually think he's going to come out um, slinging and flinging and looking good. Um. I'm intrigued to see where he is emotionally and like motivationally. I think this has been an interesting three weeks for him. Um, and I think he wants to put on a show and I do think he's rejoining an offense that should be better because I don't know, Matt Patricia has been an offensive coach for like six months, but since Mac has been gone, he's gotten game reps. He's got, and even Patricia talked about it, like the game planning, like I like this. I'm, it's, I'm more in my world game planning. Um, so I think Mac is joining a better offense. Uh, so I, I think they're going to roll the Bears. I think Justin Fields stinks. He's an athlete, not a quarterback right now. Um, And I know they're not a great offense in general. And I think the Patriots are going to run the ball. I think they're going to throw it. And I bet you they get a couple picks. This could be another Jack Jones, Paul Perillo day um, on a Justin Fields throw. I know they don't throw it a ton, but you may have an opportunity. So I'm going to say Patriots 27, Bears 13. Very close to my score. Um, yeah, I would agree with uh, virtually everything Andy said. I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Justin Fields than he is. I put a lot of his woes on uh, the ineptitude around him, uh, specifically with the coaching staff. I don't think it's any way to develop a quarterback by asking him to throw the ball 17 times a game. Um, I understand what they're doing because the stat that that is absolutely one of the most astounding things that I've seen in my seven weeks of preparing for these games so far 
He's thrown the ball 115 times and has been sacked on 20% of those dropbacks. Oh. That is an unbelievable number. Oh. Uh, it's, it's number one in the league. So they can't have him drop back at all with any certainty that he's going to live to see the, the end of the play. So I think that's making a lot of bad habits for Justin Fields. I think he's running around. Uh, he, he's, he's, attempt, he's already rushed the ball 54 times. So they just have nothing going on offensively in Chicago. <laughs> And, and for that reason, I, I don't think this game will be a challenge at all. I, I went 27-6. Um, they can run the ball. Uh, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, is, uh, Herbert's been pretty impressive with the average per carry. Uh, they've basically split the carries. They can run the ball a little bit. I think the Patriots' run defense has been better uh, the last couple of weeks after two really bad weeks against Baltimore and Green Bay. Um, so they look like they have that fixed. I, I don't see how a team that throws the ball – I think they've thrown 25 passes in a game once in, in six weeks. I don't think you can beat the Patriots being one-dimensional. I don't think it'll be close. But what about the Nikhil Harry revenge game? Five, let's not even pretend to take that seriously. Yeah, no, it could happen. I don't think happen. it could. You got Darnell Mooney on one side, Nikhil Harry on the other. Get what about that blocker. really good special teamer? Extra blocker in the in the yeah, running right game? Right, in, in the power run game. Um, if Andy's prediction was close to mine. I got Patriots 30. Bears 13. Uh, I think it's an easy, I think it's an easy cover. I do think Matt comes out and looks sharp. Uh, I oh, do I think with that too. Tr yeah. tries to like really hammer home a point start short. Um, he'll, he'll resemble zappy. How about that? The zappy comparisons to Mac will be made. It'll be the best. We'll have seen him in a while. Certainly the best he'll have looked in 2022. The run game will do very well setting Mac up. And hopefully that's a springboard for the Patriots for week eight against a Jetropolitans team that is sneaky good. Like I told you, they might be Andy after that killer draft. And I think the Jets beat the Broncos this week. You could have four and three Patriots against the five and two Jets in week eight. What a world, huh? That'd be fun. Wait, so we're still in last place? Three three game winning streak still in last place? Jeez. Yeah, right? Well, Miami could lose. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, go Steelers. Minka, Fatri Minka Fitzpatrick revenge. Fat, fat. Uh, uh, all right. One one slip up and you want to jump all. You're over. looking at Paul when you make a fat joke. I see how oh, it is. All right, all right, that's it. That'll do. Uh, thank you very much to Mark Grody from 670 The Ticket in Chicago for joining us. Good job, producer Justin Turpin, Andy Hart at Jumbo Hart. We'll have him on Saturday at EEI and Sunday. Excuse me, Monday night late with the Six Rings post game show. You can follow Mr. Perillo everything that he does on Patriots Unfiltered, Patriots.com at PFW Paul. Thank you very much, Mr. Perillo, for joining us once again. An absolute pleasure, sir. Thanks, boys. Sure. Appreciate you. All right, Hart, Perillo, everybody. That's it for Six Rings and Football Things. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. And as always, go Pats.